Ingo by Helen Dunmore. Chapter 4, Part 2. In bed that night, I lie awake. Connor's upstairs in his loft room. He can't climb down the ladder without me knowing. I'm afraid to fall asleep in case he creeps past me, down the stairs and out of the cottage. But why would Connor want to do that? I can't think of a reason, and yet I can't stop being afraid. There was no reason for Dad to be with us, either. I know Connor's not asleep yet, because a minute ago I heard his feet stepping lightly across the floor above me, towards the window. The slap of bare feet, and then silence. He's by his window, looking out towards the sea. I know it for sure. My eyes are stinging with tiredness, but I can't get let go and drop into sleep. Not yet, not until Mum comes back. We both promised Mum that we would never go off swimming alone in the cove. It's so quiet and lonely there that if anything happened, there would be no chance of help. We've always kept our promise until today. It wasn't just Connor who broke it either. If I hadn't seen him on the rock, I would have gone on walking deeper into the water, with the sea pulling me like a magnet. How far would the sea have pulled me? Maybe there's sea magic too, the same as Dad once said there was, earth magic. Granny Khan's magic was mostly benign, Dad said, but what about the sea's magic? The sea's strong and wild, and if you make a mistake, the sea will make you pay. Sometimes you pay with your life. Dad used to say that the sea doesn't hate you and it doesn't love you. It's up to you to learn its ways and keep yourself safe. But I didn't even think about keeping myself safe today down at the cove. All I wanted was to go with the tide. I didn't even think of Mum or Connor because the sea was pulling me so hard. Is that how Connor felt? Did he forget about all of us so that hours passed like minutes? He was talking to that girl. <clears throat> he was. I didn't imagine it. She was wearing a wetsuit and her hair was long and wet and tangly hanging over her shoulders and hiding her body. They were laughing and talking. She and Connor didn't look as if they'd just met for the first time. My watch. Mum will go crazy when she finds out that my watch isn't working anymore. She said it was too good for every day and I should push it away and only wear it on special occasions. Dad said I could wear it every day, I argued. In the end, Mum agreed. But you'd better look after it, Safi. You can be so careless. She sounded like my school report. Good work is spoiled by carelessness. Sapphire needs to concentrate and stop daydreaming in class. Mum said, it'll be a miracle if that watch is still on your wrist in six months time, Safi. It will be. Good, I'm hoping you'll prove me wrong. Mum was wrong. My watch is still on my wrist and more than a year has passed. Maybe she won't notice that it isn't working anymore. Connor's up there in his loft room, not moving, not sleeping, staring out of the window. All I want to hear is the tread of Connor's bare feet back over the floorboards to his bed. But he stays at the window. I pull my curtain open and see that the moon is rising. Even ordinary things are starting to look mysterious. The thorn bushes look like bodies that have been bent and bowed. Those white towels on the washing line that I forgot to bring in look like ghosts. It's so bright that you could find the path down to the cove quite easily by moonlight. 
Sometimes the moon makes a path on the sea and it looks real and solid as if you could walk out on it to the horizon. I hear a creak. It's Connor pushing his window wide. Maybe I should go up to him. No, he'll be angry. He'll think I'm following him around, but I'm not. I'm just looking out for him, trying to look after him the way Dad said we had to look after each other. As long as you two look out for each other, you'll be safe enough. I can hear Dad's voice saying those words exactly as if he was here in the room. If I shut my eyes, it will be almost as if he were here. No, if I'm not careful, I'm going to fall asleep and then Connor could creep down the ladder and out of the house without me knowing. I sit up in bed and very quietly switch on the little lamp by my bed. As soon as I hear Mum's car up by the gate, I can quickly turn the light off before she opens the gate and drives down the track and sees it. On my bedside table there is a green and silver notebook which I used to keep my diary in. I've torn out the diary pages because they were all about things that happened a long time ago when our life was different. Now I write lists. I pick up my favourite black and silver pencil. List of things that might have happened to Dad. One. One of those factory fishing boats came too close inshore. Dad's boat got dragged in its net and he was drowned. They untangled his boat and dropped it overboard so no one would have any evidence because it's against the law to be fishing where they were fishing. This is what Josh Trigoni says his dad says. 2. There was a freak squall and the boat went down. This was one of the things they suggested in the Cornishman, but everybody remembers that it was flat, flat calm that night. 3. Dad never went in his boat at all. He took her out as far as the mouth of the cove and then he let her go on the tide and he swam back and went off another way. He had his own reasons for folk wanting to think he had drowned. Someone said this in the miners' arms. I heard it from Jessie Nanjivey in my class. She said Bad Thomas said he would ram the teeth of the man who said it right down his throat if he opened his mouth again. The man was from Tawednak, Jessie said. No one who knows Dad would ever believe it. He would never let the Peggy Gordon go on the tide. He loves her too much. 4. Was your husband worried about anything? Debts? Problems at work? Did he seem depressed or unlike himself? Has he been drinking? These are some of the questions that the police asked Mum. Connor and I guessed what the police were trying to find out, but it was all rubbish. Dad was happy. We were all happy. 5. You remember what happened to that other Matthew? Could be it's the same thing come again? You don't really reckon, do you? Well, they do say. This was Mrs Pascoe and her cousin Bertha talking in the post office stores. They saw me come in and they bit off the rest of what they'd been going to say. I hung around the birthday card stand pretending to choose one, but the women just paid for their stuff and went out. They could have been talking about something else, but I don't think so. I could see from their looks that they'd been talking about us, and there's no other Matthew around here except Dad. That other Matthew... What did they mean? I look down at the list I've written and cross out three and four straight away. That leaves one, two and five. Josh Tregoni's dad told him that a factory fishing trawler did once pull down a small boat off the Scottish coast 
The small boat got caught in the nets and dragged down, and the fishermen drowned. So maybe it could happen here. I don't believe the freak squall theory. I remember that night too well and how flat the sea was. So number two can be crossed out as well. That leaves one and five. I don't understand five at all, so maybe I'd better leave it on the list for the time being until I find out more. Suddenly I hear three sounds at once. The crunch of mum's tyres on the stony track by the gate. The creak of a window shutting upstairs. The slap of Connor's feet on the boards as he runs back to bed. I slam my notebook shut, snap off the light and dive under my duvet.